0: This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management.
1: This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Women to Watch. Sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for
2: those frightened children who want peace, it is for those voiceless children who want change
1: inspired by women from across the globe who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Now, women to watch. Here's your host, Sue Rocco.
2: Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to another week of Women to Watch here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. My name is Sue Rocco, and we have a great show for you tonight. Uh, with me in my studio today are two young women who co-founded Haven Adoptions here in the Philadelphia area, Kelly Widener and Sarah McGarity, And later in the show, uh, for our Health Watch, Dr. Marianne Ritchie will be stopping in to give us some uh, up-to-date and very important information around self-breast exams. Uh, a big thank you and shout-out to Jefferson University Hospital, Mount St. Joe Academy, and Baird Financial for their sponsorship and support of Women to Watch and our mission— And be sure to visit us at womentowatch.net to to see our lineup and share with us your suggestions for the show. Uh, Any questions you might have for our upcoming guests. We always love to hear from you. So I'm going to get right to my lovely guests with me across the table today and welcome you to the show. Uh, Again, Sarah McGarity and Kelly Widener from Haven Adoptions. Welcome to the show.
3: Thank you, Susan. We're excited to be here. Thank you, Sue.
2: I appreciate the last minute, you know, fill-in, and uh, I'm really excited to, to share your story, how you came together um, to start this very, very wonderful agency and, and the important work that you're doing. And um, one of you is local and one is not. Um, Kelly, I'll start with you and, you know, ask you to talk a little bit about your um, upbringing in Virginia. And a little bit about your younger years, what kind of led to your interest in social work and adoption?
3: Sure. Yeah, I grew up in Alexandria, Virginia. And um, actually, my I was led to social work when I was doing a religion project at my high school. And I was doing a project on homeless teens with the Covenant House in Washington, D.C. And in that time, I saw such a need for honestly, helping people who can't help themselves. Mm. So when I went to Villanova, I knew that I wanted to study human services. And that's, you know, that was kind of where my starting point was. Yeah. How about um, your own family background? Yeah. So my, I grew up with my uh, parents and three sisters. My parents are now divorced. They divorced after I uh, graduated from Villanova and just a, a lot of, um, you know, you learn from your family's strengths and you learn from your family's weaknesses too, right? Yeah. But sure. having, uh, having supportive parents to push me when when I didn't push myself, for sure. Yeah, around, um, I, I
2: always say when it comes to entrepreneurship, you know, venturing out on your own, it really takes a lot
3: of it does courage. It does. It does. And I watched my dad kind of grow in his own business. And that pushed me to make the courage, you know, to have that courage to uh, take a step into starting my own, for sure. That's great.
2: So, Sarah, you are the co-founder with Kelly, and you grew up um, in Orland, which is dear to my heart. I grew up in the neighboring town, Flower (laughs) Town. Yeah, Um, yeah, talk a
4: little bit about your upbringing,
2: your family, and what led you to to doing
4: this work. Sure. Well, I grew up in Orland um, with my parents and my brother, Kevin, My parents also um, divorced when I was young, but they were always a united front in how we were parented, and um, till this day, they both shared the same, um, you know, overall core in how they wanted my brother and I to always be better um, through encouragement and um, taking risks and. Maybe trying out for that new sport or um, just wanting us to be uh, academically um, pushed and um, still have, still happen to be in Orland till this day. Yeah. um, When it was time to start our own family, my own family, we always knew we wanted to be back in Orland.
2: Yeah. Did Um, you have a soft spot always for um, children? And, you know, kind of helping people that are in a place that,
4: that need help. Yes, definitely. Always, I can't remember a one-time experience, but there was always something inside growing up that I knew I wanted to work with children. Um, was it, Whether that was through social work or education, I wanted to be involved in some way. Um, ended up doing all of those things. Um, I taught I was a social worker. Um, I had a wonderful learning experience and internship at Carson Valley School Mm -hmm. in Flower Town. Right, yep. And Kelly and I both share um, teaching for several years. Mm -hmm. I was also able to coach, which I loved. Did you play a sport? Played sports my entire life. That was a big part of growing up in Orland and Upper Dublin. Uh, Always playing sports in middle school, high school, and actually played Um, in college. What did you play? Played field hockey. Oh, great. At Penn State. At Penn State, wow, yeah.
2: Well, you know, sports, I think, is a tremendous activity for young girls Mm -hmm. in helping to build all kinds of, you know, it's character building and um, I I always think that that's, uh, a lot of the women that I have on the show were young athletes in one way or the other. You know, we were talking before the show, you two have very, very parallel lives. Mm -hmm. And just (laughs) hearing your background, Um, you met at Carson Valley, which is a residential home for boys um, who are struggling, and, um, and then you both became teachers. Yes. And then you both decided to start this this adoption agency. And I wonder if you can talk about – I know it was a lot of discussions and a lot of, um, you know, talking over time and, and years about the industry itself and how you probably would envision doing it a different way Tell me about the moment where you it really became concrete that you were going to step out of teaching and start this new agency Kelly maybe I'll let you take this Um, one.
3: You know Sarah and I were speaking about this before uh, before we started and was there that moment and I think there was that moment that we decided after like you said months and and probably a year or two of talking about it to take the courageous step and i think probably the biggest piece that i can think of that was the most impactful was our support system around us to give us that support to say you can do this were they colleagues friends family or friends family um you know sarah's husband my ex-husband at the time you know or my ex-husband uh my my father my mother Sarah's parents, um, that makes a big difference Mm -hmm. to have, and even if it's just a handful of people that can stand behind you and say, you can do this. That's right. Yeah.
2: So one of my favorite questions is who, who is someone you can name that believed in you, um, that stays with you and really, you know, was, was that person that, that helped you turn that corner? Mm -hmm. You're shaking your head, Sarah. Is there somebody? Well,
4: I mean, Kelly named all of them. Um, I also just wanted to point out, and I'm glad I'm not able to see her right now because I probably start crying, but we knew we could do this together. And every day we get to do this together. Mm. And that is, means everything.
2: Yeah.
4: And how we are able to do what we do every day, to know that no matter what, at the end of the day, we will have each other to talk through something, Mm -hmm. to bounce Different ideas, or give each other feedback. Yeah, Um, we constantly learn from each other. We balance each other. There's a joke that we're, um, you know, we're sister wives. (laughs) But there's only two. There's only two. (laughs) But um, that that's very important Um, because there's been the best of times in in starting Haven and having Haven, and there's been some points where, you know, we've questioned. Right. Can we do it? And overall, if it wasn't weren't for our parents and for, you know, husbands and even our children, um, we have a team that constantly pushes us to. Yeah. um, Every day that we've we've built over the years. And it's just to reflect and to see all the people who never once said we could not do it Mm. means everything.
2: It really does. I think when you're an entrepreneur, if you're kind of sailing your own ship out there alone, it can be much more scary than if you—if there's someone there that you're having a bad day and they're going to pick up the slack right. and vice versa. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Women to Watch, and I'm joined by Kelly Widener and Sarah McGarity, co-founders of Haven Adoptions. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about what you do well, Kelly, and what you do well, Sarah, and how you how you guys balance that. Okay. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Women to Watch. I'm joined today by two women who co-founded Haven Adoptions here in Philadelphia, Kelly Widener and Sarah McGarity. And uh, I I have lots of questions for you. But one of the things you know we were talking before the before the break about uh, the combination of the two of you working together and how nice it is to have someone with you on this scary, crazy ride. Yeah, sure. um, so I'd love for each of you to talk about the other. What is it, Sarah, that you see in Kelly that she does well and you think, gosh, thank God, because I don't do that well. <laughs>
4: How long do we have? No. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly has so many. We actually call them at, at Haven, we call them glows. Yes, um, I heard that. Okay. I like that. Yeah, she has numerous glows. Um, but we really, um, in our balance, Kelly, definitely her attention to detail, a lot of what we do um, is a lot of uh, really important documents Mm. and report writing where judges and attorneys are reading. Um, Her attention to detail, editing, um, her overall vision and constantly trying to make Haven better Mm. for our families and our staff is a total glow of hers she pushes in a very appropriate way to to constantly challenge not only myself but our staff there's i mean i could keep going on,
2: yeah. on but how big is the staff by the way how many do you have on board there's 8 of us 8 of yes. you okay and kelly looking at sarah what is
3: it what does she do well that that you're grateful for um I would agree with Sarah's statement that she has more glows than I can count and but I would say what Sarah is just a natural at and I I think people work really hard to do this but they're not always naturally as good at it as somebody like Sarah she connects with every single person she talks to Mm -hmm. and it could be a client. It could be the person at Wawa giving us our morning (laughs) coffee. I'm pretty sure she knows everybody at Wawa's first name. That's a true story. Um, True. um, And it's genuine and it's real. Um, She allows me and every one of our staff to have bad days. Um, We talk about the environment that we try to create where we're not always going to have it together every day. And that's okay. Right, It is okay. And we, like you said, like being able to pick me up when I'm having a bad day. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to take a walk? Do you want to walk out, you know, for five minutes? Um, she is just the kindest person I know with the biggest heart. That's wonderful.
2: You, you do have a great... Uh Thanks, team Kel. together and, and um your, yeah your your we energy feel. is really good. It's Aww, really thank good. Thank you. Let's talk about the, the agency for a couple of minutes. One of the things that I read about was your really your commitment to wanting to create um a different standard around the adoption um Process. You both worked at Carson Valley. We we spoke about at the top of the show, and mm-hmm. uh, if you're not familiar, it's a boys' residential home in Flower Town, just outside of Philadelphia, for for boys that um, have issues. And first of all, I can imagine that what you saw there on a daily basis must have been very difficult. Um, and and then you had a dream of you know starting your own and, and I want to give you a moment to talk about what does that mean a different standard what is it that you do that you think is different from uh,
4: the process you know that's that's been being used. Sarah, sure. So Kelly and I having Carson um, as as our real first experience um, in our career first career step. And how old were you? at the time
3: uh, 21 when I started at Carson 21 I was right out of college, college. that's young that's mm-hmm. young and mm-hmm. you're
4: like ready to save the world i
2: bet right. and, yeah. and, <laughs> doesn't right. and the reality way. is yeah. Right. yeah
4: we well first we had an instant connection you could tell that we we came from the same background mm-hmm. same moral threading we happened to be both placed in the same Cottage. They called them cottages, okay. where the children lived. Yeah, We serviced and had um, worked with boys between the ages of 12 and 14. And we were in charge of overseeing their time at Carson, the communication they had or didn't have with their biological family. We sometimes supervised visits. We went to court hearings. We were their advocate there. Um, And advocacy is part of our mission statement now at Haven. We were given that opportunity to be the voice and the case manager for these boys Mm -hmm. that needed more than just us on their side. And that was a very impactful time in my life. I know Kelly's life, too, that we were entrusted with the responsibilities of these boys, and, and really what is going to be happening to them um, through the system.
2: Yeah, that's a heavy load for a 21-year-old. Yeah. Um, yeah. Were, were there moments or days you were there where you were afraid?
3: No, the staff was fantastic. There was a lot of very large men. <laughs> <No>. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <kept> <laughs> kept, kept
2: Guard and watch over you. Okay. Good to know.
3: Um, yeah. And and honestly, these boys really respected us. Um, they appreciated what we were, which was the connection to their families. Okay. So we were the one. We were their lifeline to their parents okay. and to their siblings. Yeah. And I never once had a moment, even when I was with just myself and a, and a child, that I ever that, felt unsafe.
2: By the way, you so you both must have gone there right from college. Yes. And and what did
3: you mm-hmm.
4: major in, both of you? Kelly, what was your degree? Bachelor at, in
3: Human Services.
4: At Villanova, at Villanova. And Sarah? Bachelor's of Human Development and Family Studies. Okay.
2: And was it difficult to land that job at Carson Valley fresh out of school? Or
3: Back in 1999, no. I'm okay. sure in 2018, it's a lot harder. But no, at the time, there was a need for social workers.
2: Yeah here's a question I have Can, do either of you have a boy that you remember
4: specifically that stays with you his story mm-hmm. I think about a few actually often yeah. and where are they now and right do they have families yes I would are no. they successful in, in in any piece of their lives mm-hmm. and you hope obviously you hope there are no ways to actually contact them but you're hopeful that even the, during the small amount of time that we had contact that they felt that they were cared for and loved and advocated for. Wouldn't it be remarkable
3: if you actually came, you know, crossed paths oh with my
4: one goodness. of the boys?
2: Kelly, did you have someone in particular you wanted to talk about?
3: I mean, I, I agree with Sarah. There's a few that stand out. And I remember, um, you know, one of the things that I take from that that I give to our foster parents now is knowing that you could have a relationship with a child for a day, a month, six months, a year, and you will never probably know the impact that you can have on that Mm -hmm. child's life. And that's such a gift that someone, um, one of my mentors at Carson taught me to remember that maybe you're not gonna see the results, but know that one conversation could make such a difference, one piece of support. So I try to take that to our foster parents too. Great.
2: We're going to take another break. When we come back, I want to talk about the business end of the agency and what it was like getting licensed and getting this off the ground. You're That's listening it. to Women to Watch. We'll be right back. Do you have a financial advisor who you trust that looks at you as more than just a number? At the Foley Hillsley Group, that person is Kristen Hillsley. Kristen's team has a different approach to managing your wealth called the Panorama Process. This unique process helps you obtain your financial goals easily because it's more than just investments, it's about you. To learn more, visit their website at fhbaird.com or call 610-238-6636. The Foley-Hilsey Group is affiliated with Robert W. Baird and Company, incorporated member SIPC. Log on to fhbaird.com to learn more. That's dot com. So if you need a financial advisor you can trust, call Kristen Hillsley at 610 238 6636. That's 610 238 6636. 233 that's msjacad.org or 215 welcome back to the show sue rocco here with sarah Widener, and I'm sorry, Sarah McGarity, excuse me, and Kelly Widener, co-founders of Haven Adoptions here in Philadelphia. Um, I would love to know, I'm thinking about the business side of what you're doing. Um, what was it like getting licensed? To me, that <laughs> sounded like something that would have taken years and years and years, but you know you did it fairly quickly.
0: Yeah,
2: it took us about a year and a half. Well, tell me what what was the process? What did you first have to you know? Once you had the the thought, what's the first thing you do? Go get an attorney or have, sure. Um, Kelly, I,
3: Kelly, go ahead. Oh, um, I prayed a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Bring oh, me the license. Right. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, personally, um, after we were ready to do this, I knew that a lot of the financial and accounting stuff was going to be my role. So I bought. Finance for dummies and accounting for dummies. Did good for I you. Did. Yeah, good. And then I realized I couldn't do it, and we needed an accountant. But <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was really we needed a plan. It was let's make this plan before we take one step, and we kind of needed that plan to look ten steps ahead before mm-hmm. we could take one step forward, right? So it was a combination of preparing financially. To how to do that? That's really your first step mm. in a business. It is. How can I afford to do this? And that's there's a right. lot of cost to that. And luckily, we had a very generous uh, loan from my father Good to make this happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and then the agency side was a lot of work with um, our DP Department of Public Welfare representative, who is going to kind of walk us through those steps of. A ton of paperwork and, and we just had a lot of, you know, late night meetings and lunches and weekends and, you know, you know how it is. It's, you put a lot of time into making this, but it was really important to us to make sure we didn't launch Haven until we were a hundred percent ready to hit the ground running. Yeah, And that was a really good thing because we took off. Wow. That's wonderful. Yeah.
2: (laughs) yeah. Did you reach out to other agencies and, you know, to to learn? How did you do it? How
4: did you get started? Sarah? We, so Kelly and I, after Carson, we both left Carson to pursue education. Right. So we were both teaching for several years. Mm -hmm. And then we decided to, um, we actually were working as social workers again at an adoption agency a local adoption agency here in in Pennsylvania and had many different roles within that agency and learned a lot. And then after several years, decided that we were going to create Haven and build Haven. And that's when the planning started.
2: By the way, the name, where did you get, how Uh, did you come up with Haven? That's one of my, which is a beautiful word. (laughs) Yeah. How did you come up with that?
4: We did an exercise in the very beginning, um, and we brainstormed a lot of different names that we were drawn to. Mm-hmm. And then we ended up slowly crossing ones off. We actually had to do some background checks some research to make sure that we were legally able to use certain names. Mm-hmm. And this word, heaven, actually... Um, was on a magnet on my refrigerator. Oh, really? um, Isle is a part of, big part of our lives, uh-huh. and the magnet actually said, C. Isle is my haven," and that magnet is still on my refrigerator. That was a light bulb moment. You walked yeah. by the refrigerator, right? Mm-hmm. You, and you looked and at you, that. And you, when you do say the word "haven," when you, I mean, when you look up the definition of "haven," everything that we wanted and wished for for our agency. And everything that an adoptive family, a birth parent, a foster family, all of the children that we touch is encompassed in that word haven. Mm -hmm. And that means safe, family, comfortable, love. That is what we strive for every day Mm -hmm. within our agency. And that is the the long version of how We we decided on the name Haven. And you're in, and
2: incorporated, mm-hmm. is right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: And just it all fell into place. Yeah. And it really honestly, I will get phone calls from prospective adoptive families or even birth parents. We have had this feedback that they when they were researching online or saw a brochure mm. and they said that name and the feeling that it gave them was why they called us. Yeah, I'm not surprised.
2: It's, it's a great word and yeah. it really does. It encompasses mm-hmm. everything that you just shared, um, you know, the definition. And I, I'd love for you to share a little bit about kind of the, for the listeners, if there's someone who, if they're looking to adopt or they know somebody who perhaps is looking, you know, for a home, for a child... What, what is your process? How do you find the two parties and bring them together?
3: Um, do you want me to go? Uh, sure. Yes, <laughs> Kelly. Um, I, I think the most important thing for us is, going back to the haven, is to make sure that people feel comfortable, they feel listened to, uh, they feel advocated for. So it's really important to us that the adoptive parents have somebody on their side that case manager that's looking out for their best interest and that the biological mother or parents have somebody on their side who is their advocate. Mm -hmm. And those people can't be the same person, right? Right. Cause then you become subjective. Yes. So that is how we started. That was how we founded Haven was that each party was going to have their own individual advocate and Mm -hmm. case manager. And when we take the needs of the birth mother and what she's looking for, we match her with a family that she chooses um, based on what she's looking for in a family. And it could be, you know, there's sometimes the dynamics of just a traditional family or a same-sex couple, single parent. But then there's also they want them to have children. Sometimes they don't want them to have mm. children. So it really is about what the birth mother is looking for. Mm-hmm. We really advocate for open adoption. Uh it's there's just so many benefits to it for the child growing up as well as the biological family and the adoptive parents Me, Open meaning that they stay in, con- in communication
2: yeah. with each other. Okay. Yeah So you do you deal with both private and open or is that, is that the well, they're all word?
3: private. They're all yeah. private It's some can be closed, but women aren't looking for that as much anymore birth mothers really want to know that their child is taken care of and is yeah. going to be okay and um, that could just look like letters and pictures that they may get mm-hmm. over the years, mm-hmm. but a lot of them are more interested now in visits, so they get to visit and see the child grow up.
4: Yeah, Sarah. I, if I could just piggyback on what Kelly just said, part of, another part of our mission statement is the word options, and options meaning part of part of my role within Haven is the education piece for when an adoptive family reaches out. A birth family reaches out, really anybody, that we do a good job in explaining and educating about the different options that exist in creating an adoption plan. So like Kelly was saying, birth parents coming to us and they might not know the different options that they have in choosing a family that they feel drawn to or connected to in the type of contact they're able to have with a potential family there are a lot of myths we feel like that mm-hmm. still exist in the yeah. adoption world mm-hmm. and we do a, education is a big piece of our mission mm-hmm. and really what we are trying to do in creating the standard or changing the standard that is that is what we mean by that in educating birth parents have so many options that i feel as though sometimes they don't realize that they do and and adoptive parents as well
2: yeah. And um, I would say that it's it has changed so much from years gone by where everything sure. was it, uh, there was so much secrecy for around sure. it. Yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. now
3: it's how can we make the best create the yeah. best scenario for everybody? Sure. There's you know, one of the biggest things we go back to is more people to love a child will never be a bad thing. Yeah. Right. Wow, that's a great statement.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, this not, is not a very creative question, but I would love to know a typical day for, in the lives of you two. You know, what is going on? What is happening? Oh, I know geez. there's a lot of emotions um, in the work that you do, and, and that can be hard. And I, I'd love to know also how both of you handle that emotion. You go home to your own families and children. <laughs> how do you separate the
4: two? Who wants to start? I'll start. Sarah, yeah. yeah. What I love, the one of the things that I love about Haven and what we're doing is that no day is the same? Mm-hmm. Um, there's something exciting about that. I love spending time with our team. And are they all women,
3: by the way? Are they, they are. They're all women. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're um, not sexist. I promise. No, no.
4: <laughs> no. It just happens to be. Happen they're right, to be. if there was a gentleman that joined the team, that would be wonderful too. Um, the group of women that we have as part of our team. Are, and this is where that <laughs> my asking if anybody's ever cried before. Is coming in? <laughs> Whenever I I speak about them, it's just the love and the camaraderie and the the realness that happens within the walls of our office and in the field is um, really special. Mm. And we every day um, are talking about very heavy very emotional, very real scenarios, and adoption plans that involve a lot of people. And I think we do that with grace, and we are constantly learning, too, from each other.
2: That's great. When we come back, Kelly, I'll give you an opportunity to talk about about your typical day. (laughs) Sounds good. We'll be right back. Do you have a financial advisor who you trust that looks at you as more than just a number? At the Foley Hillsley Group, that person is Kristen Hillsley. Kristen's team has a different approach to managing your wealth called the Panorama Process. This unique process helps you obtain your financial goals easily because it's more than just investments, it's about you. To learn more, visit their website at fhbaird.com. Or call 610-238-6636. The Foley Hillsley Group is affiliated with Robert W Baird and Company, Incorporated Member SIPC. Log on to fhbaird.com to learn more. That's fhbaird.com. So if you need a financial advisor you can trust, call Kristen Hillsley at 610-238-6636. That's 610-238- 6636. Welcome back. You're listening to another week of Women to Watch. I'm Sue Rocco, and I'm joined today by Kelly Widener and Sarah McGarity, two really amazing young women in the Philadelphia area who started their own adoption agency, and, and we're learning all about how their paths crossed and and the ins and outs of doing this kind of work, which, again, you know, I've said it several times, um, it's hard work, it's serious work, it's important, and it's emotional. Mm -hmm. And Kelly, just describe, you know, briefly a typical day, what you're dealing with and how you have to kind of
3: pivot yeah. From thing to thing. And I love that you're calling us young women, by the way. It's <laughs> <laughs> totally you're making our welcome. day. It's the um, truth. Uh,
2: I speak the truth. So
3: there there is no typical day. But if I was to give an example of a day that could be, you know, where the staff is together, where, you know, the phone rings and we get a call from a birth mother who it's her first call. She's ready to make an adoption plan. And then quickly, like you said, pivoting your focus to supporting one of our staff members because they have a question about a case. Uh, That's a big part of what Sarah and I do is really the support and supervision of our case managers. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, an hour later, we might be getting a phone call from a foster parent because there was an emergency with one of the foster children and they're headed to the critical, you know, to a hospital because there was a fall Um, you know, our foster care is very different. We spend a lot of time in court. We spend a lot of time with family visits and, you know, then our case managers might be running off to a home study for an adoptive parent or post placements to see how a new baby's doing. But I would say for Sarah and I, our typical day is supporting our case managers. If there's fires to be put out, we're usually the ones doing that for Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. And, uh, Again, it's it's that saying of instead of being the best, surround yourself with the best. Mm-hmm. And we've really done that at Haven. Yeah. We we have a high standard for sure. Good. And that you, makes a difference. Do you
2: have plans to expand? You know, would you like to be a national agency? Uh,
4: well, I was going to piggyback on Kelly's um, statements. Another part of what we Kelly and I want to put a little bit more time in is the growth of Haven. Mm-hmm. And... There's so many community resources and um, doctor's offices and Planned Parenthoods and crisis pregnancy centers and homeless shelters and list goes on that are within our communities that we have yet to, to reach out and connect with. And that's very important to us. We not only wanna share about Haven and our, the services we offer to birth parents and adoptive families and foster families, but also what is in our community. Mm. And you never know when you're gonna need to make a connection with someone. Um, And that's important in growing Haven as you know, well.
2: You know, I'll give a quick shout out. And I mentioned to Kelly that recently I interviewed Roberta Trombetta, the founder mm-hmm. of CB Community Schools, and it's a school exclusively for foster children. Mm-hmm. So you're right. You know, it's kind of a, you know, it is a community thing. It's all connected. Mm-hmm. And um, to make people aware that you're here and what you're sure. doing is really important. hmm You know, I I love to ask entrepreneurs to give advice for, uh, there's a listener and perhaps she's working in some job. She doesn't want to be there. um, And she has some ideas and thoughts for pursuing uh, her own, her own business. Um, What what are your two top pieces of advice? I'll I'll
3: say that Kelly. Two top pieces of advice. Um, I think to embrace the fear that comes along with it, embrace vulnerability uh, putting yourself out there is really scary and takes a lot of courage. But to embrace that instead of pretending that you have it all together because it's impossible to right. <laughs> oh, I love that because that so that's about
2: um, admitting it and saying this is scary and I'm going to do it rather than imposter syndrome. We right. talk about a lot right. in the show. Oh, for sure, for women particularly.
3: I, you know, we we were talking earlier about you know when we're when we're little girls. It's you know. You don't show that you have fear. You don't show that you cry. You you know, you keep it all together and it's like, you know what, let's do the opposite. Yeah, let's, let's be human. Let's be real <laughs> let's and be human. let's talk about mm-hmm. how that. Yeah. And so that's what I would say to a listener is to embrace that. Because I think once you embrace that, there's so many gifts that come beyond that and to use your resources to use your support system and realizing like I was never going to be really good at accounting so I hired an accountant yeah right but you know using your resources to support don't pretend you can do it all right because you can't that's um, right yeah sarah how and about i would you?
4: say if you have that little piece inside that wants to take that risk but like you said you're fearful or what could happen what if all the what ifs you're never going to know unless you take the risk. You will never know what could happen or what can happen unless you do that.
2: And what is the thing that you're saying? You know, it's it's easy for us to say, you know, embrace the fear, move through it. But what are you saying to yourself that allows you to do that? Is it what's the worst that what's can happen? The worst that can happen.
4: Yeah. Um, there's always some – we have the mantra at Haven, and I know in our personal and professional lives, that everything happens for a reason. We are here for a reason. We know what our reason is why we're here because we're seeing that amazing feedback. But if it's not meant to be, then something else will, and you don't know what door is going to open.
2: Absolutely. That's a great, great mantra. If you give out your contact information quickly
3: um, if sure. anyone's listening and wants to reach out. Sure. The best way is our website, havenadoptions.com. And we also have a 1 800 number, which is 1 800 716 8220. Thank
2: you so much, ladies. Thank you. This was so fun. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much.
1: Women to watch.
2: We're going to have our weekly health watch right now with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, who's going to be talking to us about self breast exams. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Sue. Always good
1: to be here. The message this week. Don't rely on self breast exams as a screening tool for breast cancer. The best screening tool is still the mammogram. However, the National Cancer Institute tells us that screening mammograms can miss cancer up to 20% of the time. In fact, women often find breast cancer when they're bathing or dressing. The American Cancer Society now promotes breast health awareness, so be familiar with how your breasts normally look and feel. In fact, it's a good idea to wait a few days after your period when your breasts are least likely to be swollen and tender to do self-breast exams. And if you're no longer having periods, pick a day each month that you'll remember, the first day, the 15th. Can you tell us
2: exactly what we should be looking for when we're doing the exams?
1: Yes. There are four positions in which you should examine yourself. First, put your hands on your hips. And when you press on your hips, it stresses your chest muscles and might show you lesions that otherwise wouldn't appear in a different position. Look at yourself in the mirror with your hands on your hips and you're going to look for changes in the shape or size of one breast or the other, dimpling or puckering of the skin, an area that's warm or red, a nipple that's inverted, meaning it's pushed inward rather than sticking out, a patch of itchy, scaly, or sore skin or rash on or near the nipple, sudden discharge from one or both nipples, and that can be watery, milky, yellow, or bloody. Obviously, that's gonna tell you to call your doctor right away. Or pain in one spot that doesn't go away. Now you're gonna look for the same changes with your arms over your head. Then, in a lying down position, use your right hand to examine your left breast, left hand to examine your right breast. Use the smooth touch of your finger pads, keeping your fingers flattened together, and move your fingers in a circular motion about the size of a quarter. Examine from your collarbone to your upper abdomen, and then from under your arm, in your armpit, to your cleavage. Lastly, examine while standing. The shower is a good place where your skin is wet and slippery, and it's really easy to slide over any little lumps or bumps. In each position, also feel for lumps or enlarged lymph nodes under your arms, above and below your collarbones, and in your neck, front and back, and report any of these changes immediately to your doctor, even if you had a normal mammogram within the past few months. Become familiar with your own exam because you are going to notice a subtle change a whole lot faster than somebody who sees you once a year.
2: Great information. I, mean, I learned something here about the, the entire area that needs to be examined. Really important. Thank you so much, You're Dr. Welcome, Ritchie. So. And that's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch. Thanks so much for tuning in to The Real Story Behind Her Title here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT
0: paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management.